This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, June 13th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Harvey. The roller coaster ride of Bitcoin continues. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the coming days will include the Federal Reserve's latest interest rate announcement, plus closely watched reports on retail sales and producer prices. We're joined by Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Gus, great to have you with us. Uh, we're obviously keeping a very, very close eye on the Fed, and I think there's some fear here that there could be a misstep in raising interest rates too much too quickly here. Um, yeah, so markets are concerned both that inflation is too high, but also that the Fed could respond too aggressively and push the economy into recession with, with higher interest rates. Um, I, I think if we do see a recession, uh, I think that that's likely not in 2022. It could be in 2023 or even 2024. Uh, but it depends on how quickly the Fed raises rates and, and how quickly inflation responds to those rate increases. I'm also talking about the, the week ahead and sort of how the Fed will play into reports that we're, we're expecting with retail sales, producer prices. Can you sort of weigh in on that? Yeah, so retail sales will look weak in uh, for, for May. Uh, we saw a big drop in auto sales. Uh, obviously, spending on gasoline went up dramatically. The question is, what happens to sales outside of autos and gas? I think they're likely to look a bit soft, but still, consumers are still in very good shape, even with higher prices. They have a lot of money, on average, saved up from the pandemic and all the stimulus payments that they receive. So I still think the consumer spending growth is, is, is going to be strong. And then the producer price index. We have seen a slowing, uh, although inflation at the consumer level remains strong, we've seen a slowing in inflation at the wholesale level. Does that slowing continue uh, or are we starting to see it reaccelerate again after the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Circling back to, to the Federal Reserve, I know that, that the, the Fed had previously alluded to that it was going to make these these half percentage increments. But now some are saying that, that we could maybe even see a three quarter point hike during the Fed's July meeting. What are your thoughts on that? Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I, I'm skeptical about that. I think that half-point increases, uh, you know, for the next two or three meetings, uh, I think that should be enough to slow economic growth. We're already seeing the impact of higher rates on the housing market where activity is slowing there. Uh, so I think if the Fed were to tighten by three-quarters of a percentage point, uh, that could do more harm than good by spooking investors and spooking spooking consumers, uh, spooking the stock market. And so the Fed may want to indicate that they will move aggressively, but they still have the tools to get inflation under control. You mentioned the housing market and how we've sort of seen a slowdown there. It hasn't come to a halt, though, and I think that that's sort of the, the intent behind the, the, the tightening here, right? This quantitative tightening. 
That's right. I mean, we have seen mortgage rates move substantially higher this year. Uh, That is increasing the cost of home buying, and so that's weighing on demand for houses. Uh, We've seen housing starts fall in recent months, and I think we're likely to see a a further slowing in the housing market uh, in the second half of this year and into 2023 as mortgage rates uh, remain well above where they were a year or two ago. Thanks so much, Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Coming up, a crypto sell-off pushes Bitcoin to its lowest level in a year and a half. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Investors are dumping cryptocurrencies, causing a 15% drop-off in the value of Bitcoin. Let's take a look at what's going on with Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com, based here in Chicago. Andy, it was a very rough weekend for cryptocurrency. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it got pretty ugly. Now, this has started a way back, but this weekend it picked up a lot of steam, and the currency's been down about 17%. What happened was that Celsius, which is a crypto lending bank, in quotations around bank, uh, froze assets, right? You, you, people who made deposits into this crypto lending bank couldn't get their money out, so that created a panic. And basically, when a, when a bank shuts its doors, you people freak out. And the thing that people have to remember when it comes to crypto lending banks is there is no lender of last resort, unlike the Federal Reserve. So this highlights one of the big problems with the cryptocurrency world in that there is no one to kind of step in and help out when things get really bad. And that obviously creates market volatility. Now, with, with this being a digital asset, is it prone to being more volatile than, than others? Oh, yeah. That's like if you looked up in dictionary, you know, volatility, crypto would be right there <laughs> next to Bitcoin. I mean, that's that's these, this is incredible. Like the last big sell off in crypto, it was down 80 percent. We're down about 63 percent from the highs. So we're right on target to get to another 17 percent on the downside. We did break through kind of a technical level at twenty eight thousand with Bitcoin. But I think there's just so much uncertainty with it. And also, there's 19,000 digital currencies. There's way too many of these things and way too many platforms. This is a bloodletting that needed to happen. So what's going to be the outcome of this? How does it recover? Is it where we're going to see a less saturated market and the, the, the strongest survive? Absolutely. And the thing that's great about this, to some extent, not great for people who own it, but eventually the CFTC is going to regulate this market. And that will create a lot of credibility and safety for investors. Now, that's going to take some time. There's a huge shakeout that's going to happen. I I don't know what the bottom for Bitcoin will be, but I do know that 19,000 currencies is way too many. So eventually they'll regulate it. And that's when the good news starts to happen if it survives, because that's when institutional investors will start to really look at this. It's not going to happen for a while, but down the road, this is something that's very positive long term. And after going through sort of these waves of uncertainty and volatility, I think the, the goal would be to hopefully have a more stable market in the long term. Right, exactly. And so that's the thing. You want certainty. You want the ability to buy and sell and get out of your currency, your digital currency. You also want the brokerages not to be front running your orders or to have internal hedge funds, all of which they can do. So that's kind of the wild west of finance that's illegal in all the other markets that are regulated in the United States. So that'll go away at some point and this will add to the safety. The other thing that's interesting too is that this is not a safe haven for inflation anymore, right? It's just not. It's obviously inflation has risen up very high. Bitcoin has crashed on the prospect of the Fed raising rates, but still, it was supposed to benefit from inflation overall. It's not. 
Thanks so much, Andrew Bush, economist at andrewbush.com, based here in Chicago. Up next, Chicago's Meg Mile finally scores a vacancy victory. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. After losing multiple retailers over the past several years, Chicago's North Michigan Avenue Shopping District is celebrating a big gain. Let's get the details from L.B. Galoon, senior reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. L.B., who's coming to the Mag Mile? Aritzia, which is a Canadian women's apparel chain. They're taking the gap space at 555 North Michigan Avenue. It's a really big lease, 46,000 square feet. The biggest retail lease on North Michigan Avenue since 2015. And it's really, um, it's great news because there's been so much bad news over the last two or three years on the Mag Mile. Um, Really since the pandemic began, there's been, um, you know, the departure of several tenants there, including Macy's, Gap, Uniqlo. And so uh, hard to say whether this is uh, the beginning of a turnaround, but certainly it's a good sign. Well, that was sort of my, my one question, but I guess we'll pivot here and just what's going to keep Aritzia in this retail space? It, it's obviously going to need uh, a big push from consumers to, to be able to fill such a large space. I can't imagine it's cheap. Um, yeah, and we don't know the terms of the lease, so I can't really say say anything about that. But, um, you know, it's a bet. It's a bet on the, the, uh, the Mag Miles comeback. And it's a big vote of confidence. And they're counting on on shoppers coming back. And, you know, I think there has been, a, uh, you know, a pickup in traffic on North Michigan Avenue this summer. So that's a good sign. But obviously, we just need we need more retailers to follow them. And there's still a ton of vacant space on North Michigan Avenue. And um, it's going to take time to fill that up. And, you know, the solutions are are many. Uh, you know, we've got a crime problem. Uh, there have been some shootings in the neighborhood. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there is a, you know, kind of rethinking process that's going on for the Magnificent Mile. It's, it's kind of like just a big shopping mall. So I think the, the powers that be, the, the stakeholders, are, are trying to figure out how to make um, North Michigan Avenue a destination again that, and differentiate it from a shopping mall. Again, Canadian women's apparel chain Aritzia filling the former Gap building on Michigan Avenue. Thanks so much, Elby Galoon, senior reporter for Crane's Chicago Business. Still ahead, a couple of suggestions from our Stock Picker Monday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Donald Trump's ex-campaign manager has pulled out an appearance before the House Committee investigating the assault on the U.S. Capitol. More ahead next in a special report from CBS News. If you're planning a trip, quality credit card strategy can help you get the most money for your uh, trip. And it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll have a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the Dow down 732 points. The Nasdaq down 443 and the S&P 500 down 125 points. Right now, under partly sunny skies, it's 82 degrees at O'Hare, 84 at Midway at 1231. 
CBS News special report. A House panel is holding more hearings on the January 6th Capitol riots today, and Chairman Congressman Benny Thompson says they've got a mountain of evidence against former President Trump. He ignored the will of the voters. He lied to his supporters and the country, and he tried to remain in office after the people had voted him out, and the courts upheld the will of the people. Wyoming Republican Liz Cheney. The Trump campaign legal team knew there was no legitimate argument, fraud, irregularities, or anything to overturn the election. Mr. Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, also testified on the alleged election fraud conspiracy and blamed lawyer Rudy Giuliani. Basically not the approach I would take if I was you. Okay, and, and how did he react? How did President Trump react when you shared that view with him? Uh, we said, you know, I have confidence in Rudy. CBS News Special Report, I'm Monica Ricks. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets remain deep in the red this afternoon. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, what's behind this broad selling we're seeing today? Well, it's really a continuation of the, the selling that we saw last week. We saw the market penetrate some significant low points with the Dow Jones transportation average, for example, going to a new important low on Friday. And, you know, that has carried through to today where you have the Dow Jones industrial average going through an important previous low point, which was the May 19th low. So anytime you get in a, a market where the indices are penetrating previous low points, it's the indication that the market simply is not ready to move higher and is still pretty heavy and still ready to move lower. So I think that's part of what's driving today. The other factor, too, that, that might be in play is that you're seeing, you know, the, the, the cryptocurrency market really kind of imploding here. And, you know, what does that mean for people who are on margin in that business? What are they having to sell to raise the cash to cover margins, and perhaps they're having to dip into their equities to do that. So that may be putting additional pressure on the equity markets. Now, you follow the uh, time-tested Dow theory. Is it bearish? What, what are the current levels, and what are they telling us about the markets? Yeah, the, the Dow theory has been bearish since February 22nd, when you had both the Dow Industrials and Dow Jones Transportation Average go to an, a significant low point. So it has been bearish for a while. That primary trend is still bearish. Uh, the first thing you really need to happen with the market, uh, and this is going to sound a little uh, obvious, but the fact is market needs to stop going down. And how you can tell it stops going down is when it holds previous low points. And that has not been the case here. Again, the Dow Jones transportation average went to new lows on Friday. They've continued to go to new lows today. And the Dow Jones industrial average um, it will probably end up going to a new low today if the current levels hold. So, um, it is still bearish, and you know we're still looking for kind of those grass, uh, those green shoots here to start to get positive, but uh, they're not happening at least in the near term. No, no, travel stocks have slipped. Energy is down more than six percent. Is there anywhere where investors can sort of take cover from this uh, volatility, to put it lightly? Yeah, it, and that's one of. I guess the short answer is not right now, and and I guess that's that is one of the things you need to kind of see to get the type of capitulation that generally coincides with a bottoming process. And we hadn't really had that up to this point. There had been kind of pockets of uh, you know safety, so to speak. And you mentioned the energy stocks. Well, they're getting worked over pretty 
pretty poorly today. You know, utility stocks were defensive. Um, you know, they're getting worked over. So, so the areas that had had been kind of, you know, refuge in the storm, you know, they're not working very well today, and and that's kind of an indication that the the, the selling is spreading out here. Well, and, and that's interesting, too, because if we look at from, from Friday until now, we're obviously seeing this dip. But, but I'm thinking about energy. I mean, it, it has been running quite high. And, and I'm, I'm curious if your thoughts on, on that bouncing back relatively quickly here. Yeah, it's a group we still like. You know, the nice thing about the energy group is if you feel like you've been late on it, that usually gives you an opportunity to, to get in at better prices. And, and I think you're seeing that now. I don't think we're, we've seen the top, excuse me, in those stocks, we still like the group. And I would be more inclined to, to in that particular group, to take advantage of the pullback here. Uh, you know, another area where there seems to be a little bit of strength even in some of the consumer products companies, you see a company, a stock like Coke, for example, today, which is, is you know, barely on the upside, but it actually is on the upside today. And some of the other consumer products companies are down, but not down nearly as much as the overall market. But again, I think those areas will struggle a bit as the, spread, as the selling continues to kind of spread out here. Well, and that little uh, jump from Coca-Cola could be because it just announced that it's uh, putting together Jack and Coke in a can. Maybe that's uh, gathered a little bit of buzz. (laughs) Well, Pun pun intended, yeah. Good one there. Well, you know, when I heard that news, it was kind of like, what kept them? I mean, that seems like such a natural, right? And as you have these kind of cocktails in a can, you know, industry that's exploded, it just seems like quite a, a natural thing. I don't know how much this will move the needle of Coke but it starts to kind of help them learn about that market and perhaps build it out with additional products. Yeah, if Coca-Cola can put coffee in a can, I think uh, that, that, yeah, Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey would be the natural next step. Thanks exactly. so much, Chuck, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Up next, we're going to talk about getting the most out of a travel card. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. One way to get the most value on your next getaway is through the use of the right credit card. Let's get some help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com based in New York. Uh, Ted, traveling this summer isn't going to be cheap. We, we know this, whether it's gas prices, airfare, but there are some ways that we can get more bang for our buck, and that's through travel cards. Yes, absolutely. So look into the cards you already have. You may actually be sitting on a stockpile of credit card rewards, airline miles, hotel points, or maybe you're in the market for a new card. There are a lot of compelling offers out there now. One of my favorites is actually the Marriott Boundless card. This is actually giving new signups five free nights, which is pretty amazing. There are also a lot of good transferable points cards like the Chase Sapphire Reserve and the Amex Platinum, Capital One Venture. These give you a lot of flexibility because you can transfer to airline and hotel partners or you can book travel through them at a solid rate. Now, you mentioned flexibility. I think the other thing that, that people you know, are drawn to travel credit cards for is, is the security in, in insurance or just knowing if you're already putting out the money to spend a trip, man, you don't want to have to double the cost when you're met with hiccups down the road. So can you talk a little bit about some of the insurance perks that come along with these cards? Sure. Yeah, that's another really beneficial thing. The Chase Sapphire Reserve and Sapphire Preferred really stand out on this front. They have some really good 
options for everything from trip cancellation and trip interruption insurance to rental car insurance, lost luggage, delayed luggage, uh, delayed flights, all kinds of good travel insurance perks. And I think some people may be deterred with interest rates where they are. What do you say to someone who's saying, now is not the time for me to open a credit card, but I still want to take that summer trip? It's a good point. Yeah, these reward strategies really only work if you're paying in full and avoiding interest, given how high these rates are. Um, You know, aside from credit card rewards, if you're looking to save some money on a trip this year, I think it might make sense to let the deal dictate where you go as opposed to having a certain destination in mind because we know prices are high if you are going to find a deal maybe it's going to be international maybe it's going to be more of a business friendly destination those are probably more likely to be affordable than the classic domestic leisure spots Uh, but maybe plug in a few different options into a search engine like Google Flights and just see what's out there because um, as long as you're flexible with your travel plans, maybe you could find somewhere fun to go that's not going to bust the budget. What I think is hard is having your heart set on one specific destination because there may not be deals available. And I think it's also worth noting, too, I mean, if you're going to invest in a trip this summer, why not rack up rewards and, and have that go toward another trip in the future? I like that idea for the money savings angle, but also because it acknowledges that sometimes it takes a while to earn these points and miles. A lot of these credit cards require you to spend a certain amount, anywhere from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars in the first few months. So yeah, it's getting a little late in the game to earn those points and use them this summer, but maybe you can earn them and then plan a trip three to six months out. That could be a good strategy. Thanks so much, Ted Rossman, industry analyst at CreditCards.com in New York. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. And still to come, a couple of ideas from our Stock Picker Monday. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, great to have you with us. What's your first pick? Thanks, Rachel. Um, well, I would say my first pick is uh, IBM. Um, this is a this is a company and a stock that's really been out of favor for a long time. A lot of investors have shunned it. Uh, it is a technology company, but it's not the uh, the sexy kinds of kind of technology companies that have done extremely well in recent years. Um, but I like it for for a number of reasons. It has extremely strong uh, cash flow. It has very low valuations, and it has a uh, phenomenal dividend yielding uh, about five percent right now. Um, it's been out of favor for so long, but it's the it's the right place to go to in troubled times, and it's one of the few stocks that's actually up year to date. And its letters are certainly easy enough to remember. That's IBM. Well, how about your second pick? My second pick is uh, is similar in many respects. It's Verizon. Uh, this is also uh, a um, low valuation uh, stock that's been out of favor for some time, but also has very strong cash flows and uh, and a very strong dividend. Um, I think anytime Verizon gets below uh, $50 a share, it's something that you should seriously think about adding to your portfolio. Now, unlike IBM, this stock is down year to date, but barely. Uh, it's doing so much better than the rest of the market. I think it's a it's another good thing to have in your portfolio if you're looking for some safety and income. 
And again, Verizon, that's VZ. Uh, another tech company, I know it's a wireless network operator, but we're seeing it advance into a lot of different facets as well, other than just, I think people think cell phones, but it's a lot more than that. That's right. I mean, they do internet. Um, you know, of course, uh, they, they have landline phones too, but that's kind of going, uh, going away. Um, cell phones is big. Now, there is a lot of competition there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have been keeping the uh, stock price down because uh, they fear the competition. But, you know, Verizon has such a big footprint uh, in this area that they're going to continue producing great quick cash flows for years to come. Thanks so much, Vahan Janjigin. Again, his picks, IBM and Verizon. That's VZ. Vahan is Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time that you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.